Welcome to Nose to Nose Podcast with Michael Kutza and Gino Suarez. And if you remember the theme of our little episode is, what is a 70 plus year old and a 23 year old plus have in common talking about um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? So today we're going to talk about what scares you at the movies. Not life, because you're scared of life. At your age, you have to be scared. Let's talk about scary movies. Let's break them down. Scary, scary movies, thrillers, horror films, which tend to be slasher films these days. Psychological thriller things. That, now, we just we just saw Invisible Man the other day. Yes, we did with Elizabeth Moss so from Mad Men. What did you have? To, what did you think? Did you think about that? Well, not having seen the original from the 1930s, I went into it pretty blind and did not expect what the movie was and what it became. Because it's a, almost like a thriller sci-fi movie. And, uh, yes. and you don't realize that until... Well, they give you little hints in the early part of the movie, but you don't realize that until probably halfway through. And then you start to understand what is going on and how things work. And it's mm-hmm. not a scary movie. It's more of a action sci-fi movie. I agree. Uh, it's pretty clever. Uh, the original one with Claude Rains was 1933. Yep. And he was a bit of a mad scientist once he discovers this invisible quality and goes on a rampage. So in this film, you have you have the, um, the husband, the scientist, going on a rampage with his jealousy of his wife leaving him. And the clever part of the story here is you, the audience, and all of her friends do not know if she's just insane or if there really is somebody stalking her because you can't see him. It's only her word. Ingenious ideas of, of killing <laughs> on this screen that I didn't expect. I didn't expect the ending of how the movie went. I, I guess if I would have paid a little bit more attention, I could have seen it coming. But the way that it ended, and I'm not going to ruin it for everyone, but mm-hmm. it definitely, definitely could have paid more attention and I could have seen it coming. Because it's a little bit predictable. What ended up being the ending was maybe what I would consider not ill-placed, but maybe a bit unnecessary within the story. So when you see those scenes, and in in, when you watch the whole movie, and after you see it and how it ends, you think about it and how those pieces fit in to the actual ending of the movie, and it's kind of could have been done a little bit better. Well, it's a, the film is a great success, and uh, it also points out that a thriller of this sort only costs like five or six million dollars to make in Australia, and it's making like a hundred million now, and it only costs let's say five, six, seven million. So probably most of the VFX is what it took. Yeah, it's pretty clever. It's well done, too. I, I was shocked by the situation because of his invisible nature. All of the catastrophic things that happened to the girl, for the young lady here, they all appear that she did them. So she becomes like a mass killer herself. But it really is this man that isn't there that does it all. It's, it's very clever touch. But movies, scary movies like um, Halloween and Elm Street and all of those things and zombie films. You've seen, you've seen some of those in your life. Some of them... Interesting to you? The only thing zombie related I've seen is Zombie Land, which was a joke of a zombie movie, and mm. 28 Days Later, but they weren't mm. zombies. They were infected people. Which, well, is that a zombie? I think the best, since we're in the middle of this pandemic right now, there's an excellent Brad Pitt film called World War Z that's worth worth seeing, which tend to, in, in a sense, become zombies. Uh, the, the whole general public is affected by a disease that sort of makes them flesh-eating people. But it, that, I think they're making part two right now. That is a, a very well-done film that Brad Pitt produced and is a star of. Years ago at the film festival, we had a, a director named Wes Craven. He did the Elm Street films. And uh, 
I'd never met the man, but he's this low-key, nice little guy with a goatee. And he brought the star of, of his film, um, Robert England, with him. And uh, that's Freddy Krueger, by the way. Freddy is uh, is in your he's in your nightmare, right, Freddy? Yes. So a funny thing with England is here, and I I had sent the young young girl from our office, um, young lady, uh, to meet him at the airport, and she said, I really can't I can't go meet him. I can't meet uh, Freddy Krueger. I said, Why? He's not really Freddy Krueger. This is Robert England. I can't I can't go. I said, Why? Because I used to date him. I said, okay, we'll send somebody else. That sounds like a, that sounds like a scary movie. <laughs> I said, you used to date Freddy Krueger? What are you, crazy? <laughs> but Did you what, imagine him coming home at the end of the night still dressed as Freddy? Well, That's some scary shit. I'd be like, mm, please don't come home dressed as that. But so Wes Craven, I took him around Chicago. He hadn't seen Chicago for a long time. There was a, Here in Old Town, I live in Old Town, there was a museum on Wall Street, a wax museum, and they had a show of dolls, lifelike dolls that were like little people. And he went nuts. He bought them all because they were little people. Then he later made a film of little people like this. It was pretty spooky because otherwise he was just this normal kind of guy until he got really freaked out by these little dolls. I thought, okay, he's weird. So when we're talking about scary movies, the most famous one was always Psycho. And uh, you watched something called Bates Motel, which is a Netflix uh, 10-part series or so, which is a prequel to the famous Alfred Hitchcock movie. And... Unfortunately, which was brilliant, but I watched it myself and I was very, very impressed with it. But you saw that first, so I have a feeling you weren't impressed with Psycho because you, you know everything about this family before it even happened. I mean, there was a time, like when Jaws came out, people were afraid to go in the water for, for years and years. With Psycho, they were afraid to go in the shower. But that didn't happen to you. No, it didn't. And it has to do with the fact that I did watch Bates Motel before watching Psycho. I think the fact that since Bates Motel, the pacing is more built for today's generation, today's viewing aesthetic, that when I revisited Psycho for the first time, having already seen Bates Motel, uh, I guess I had the impression or the idea that the storytelling was going to be within that same context, but it wasn't. The way that the story was shot was definitely slower and more conducive of the time that it was from. That doesn't take away from the fact that the black and white of the film is beautiful, that the acting is beautiful, the cinematography is beautiful, the dialogue is amazing. The music. The music is really done well. Very, very the important. only thing that very I just important. had quarrels with was, was the shower scene being maybe a fourth of the way through the movie? I expected that scene, having seen it so many times in popular social, popular culture, that it would have been more more built up to. It kind of was thrown into it, and then she, her death became part of a second narrative or the second wave right. of the narrative and right. it wasn't the it wasn't what i expected it to be and in that it kind of made me have to look at the film a bit differently through mm -hmm. eyes that are more geared towards the pacing of human society in the 60s versus now yeah one th and thing interesting about psycho because you watch page motel his prequel thing you really understood that the mother was the control right she was this it's this, this, this Freudian situation where you have the son and the mother, and the mother truly made him do everything, all the killing and in in the prequel and in Psycho. I mean, I, I learned so much by watching Bates Motel. I was, I was I was very impressed by it. Then I made you 
watch, we watched together a film that I was very fond of. We showed the film festival back in the 90s called Santa Sangre. This Chilean-Mexican director, Alejandro... Um, Jodorowsky? Jodorowsky, I think you pronounced It's a very it. Polish name, yes. Jodorowsky <laughs> um, came with the film, and it also has the possessive mother theme. So it's a circus theme. I hate circuses, by the way. I don't know how you feel about circuses. I go to circuses hoping someone's yeah. going to die. It was I the think. same critical Freudian idea of your mother ruining your life, but the approaches of the filmmaking were wildly... Of course. We're in the ninth, we're in eight, 1989, I think he did it. And, uh, what was the 30-year difference? Mexico, and he, it's, he's very... I think Roger Ebert, he's a, he was a famous film critic in Chicago, sometimes gave it a four-star review talking it was like a, an Italian Fellini grotesque film. He didn't call it a horror film. Which though. I have to... I'm going to tell on myself really quickly because you know what? I'm, I'm not above not knowing things. When I read that review, That's right. I will say I had to look up at least half of the terms that Roger Ebert used to describe the film. Of course you did. Because course, either they were antiquated in my understanding or they just haven't been used in so long. Or maybe I'm just not as uh, maybe I'm not as knowledgeable as I should well, be and he, towards. Well, he referred to a lot of cinema things that you hadn't seen yet or you will see. But the basic premise, the mother again, totally controlling the kid to kill at her wish. Fascinating thing about Santa Sangre is not to give anything away. Did any of it even happen? That's to me the fascinating part about that film. Starting in just like Norman Bates, starting in, in as Norman ends in an insane asylum, this one starts in an insane asylum with the man now grown up nuts. And then I, we go backwards to find as a child he observed his mother basically being well <laughs> how do we describe it? <laughs> How, how does one as, as disrespectful and gory as the movie portrays itself, I will say that there is a very ironic and funny theme of starting the movie off with a man who has basically lost his mind and has turned into a chimpanzee because he hangs out in a tree and shits on the floor and throws food at people in it. Like, it's just a juxtaposition of what the movie is going to be. And it's just such a such a beautiful start off to the chaotic events of what the movie's gonna come that you don't even see it in retrospect, but in hindsight, I'm kind of like, that's a perfect beginning to such a chaotic, disgusting, gory of, uh, of, of a child who witnessed his mother being mutilated. Mutilated. Well, he also, it's not just his mother being but mutilated. By his, it's by his, his father. Oh, his father. It's a murder suicide. Yeah, by his father, and then the suicide, but. The fascinating thing about the film is having the young man, he's now grown up, go back to visit the mother who's still alive without her arms, and he becomes her arms and kills for her. It's, it's what a concept. What a concept. You must admit that was pretty cool. I think one of the things that attracted me to the film was the use of light and the use of cinematography in the movie. Color, I, color and music again. Music and color worked well hand in hand and it paced the movie really well. I just am not a personal fan of gore. Not violence, but I think more in terms of grotesque arms getting piled off, blood, all that type of stuff I was not really a big fan of. Mm -hmm. So that is a turn off for me for the movie, but I can see the beauty in the movie in terms of how it's filmed how it's portrayed, how the story's worked, the Freudian idea of your mother ruining your life. It might be a little bit... But the fascinating thing, besides all of that, is to know that maybe none of it even happened. Oh, that's, well, that's the beautiful part of the movie. 
Right. I, I, that's it, the was it all, part of... all in his mind. So back to things that scare us. Um, Frankenstein and Dracula and stuff is things I grew up on, which scared me a lot. And you saw Psycho, you know, Hitchcock. That's a thriller and a horror film all wrapped in one. And I'll tell you a terrifying story, which we'll see how you relate to. Uh, I think I was five years old, uh, living at home with my folks, and I was raised by my grandmother. So one day she wasn't there anymore, and I, I didn't understand. But the next day, she was there for seven more days in the living room. You're going to laugh. I know. That's the most terrifying thing that's ever happened I'm, to me in my life. I'm laughing because I can relate. God, because in those days, they had the wake seven days in your house. So here's this box, this casket with her in it. And I, I didn't know how to handle it because my folks never prepared me for this thought. It's, it's, psychologically, it's destroyed my life. That's so funny that you are emotionally damaged by it. Absolutely. Because I'm not really emotionally damaged by the fact that I saw people being washed in the living room in Puerto Rico in 90 degree heat. I just think it's more funny than it is anything else. Because if you're spending all this money on a casket and all this money on flowers, but you don't want to spend the money on the funeral home, fuck the casket. I would much rather be at the funeral home than in a casket at my own home. It's not. We're talking about... In the 1940s, I have no idea what, what funeral homes, if they used them or stuff like this, why this was a tradition. It is an Italian. Remember, I'm dealing with Italian, Catholic and Italian. And it, it evidently was popular having your, your, your funerals in your home. Well, in the parlor. If this was happening to you in the 1940s and yeah. 50s. 40s. This happened to me in 2010, 2012, 2008, in those years. That is 60 years a difference. There is a trend today, once again, to be laid out at your home. My favorite trend, this is a side note, which I guess you could elaborate it to being scary. For me, it's not really scary. It's more funny. But in Puerto Rico, if you die, they do this thing where for a period of time, they would put people in positions and doing things of their favorite stuff. So for example, if like you were a rapper, they'd stand you in the corner with all your jewelry on and your clothes and you just look like you're standing there but you're dead and you're propped up that is popular today it, you know they were trying this for a while in florida but i think they made it illegal they were freeze drying people so they'd always be with them that freaky idea they were doing it with their dogs and their cats and then they started doing it with people and they were i think they're forbidden to do it today so you would forever have your partner your companion your wife your husband sitting over there in the corner why would anyone ever tell themselves you know what you're dead but i want to see you every day and remember the fact that you're dead every day or you can move on with your life and not have this creepy small golden yellow I don't even know what color bodies turn after the fact, but person staring at you and over time. Hey, sometimes you let you can't let go, I guess. Speaking of dead bodies, I made you watch the A24 distributed movie Midsommar on Amazon Prime. If anybody's ever seen it, definitely check it out. Made by the same person who made Hereditary. So tell me about the movie, how you felt, what you thought. Well, first of all, it uh, it's a cult, a cult movie, which to me was like all the usual cult films. This seems to be a remake of a Swedish film done by an American outfit. It's about the usual cute, happy couple that goes on a holiday with their friends, and except they, they go to this uh, sort of summer resort kind of thing and do mushrooms and do drugs and all, and they're entering in this happy-go-lucky mountain retreat in Sweden, theoretically. And, of course, it's a cult, and the, one of the friends of the friends knows someone in the group, and it, it it becomes the usual, to me, the usual cult film. And I, I watched it because you wanted me to watch it, and it was two and a half hours of drudgery. And uh, Oh, come on. It wasn't that. It was well, visually... To me, to me, it was... The story it, might be boring. Boring, and it took so long to become a horror film. In the last 20 minutes, it becomes horrific. But my feeling after watching the whole movie was very unsettling. That's I think that's what they were going that's for. That's what they're going for, but it doesn't take the two, ending, two and a half hours the ending is, to unsettle me. 
I didn't think the ending was what it was going to be. Thoughts on that? Why? When every film of this sort has a forbidden place you mustn't go to. In, in Square One at this beginning of the movie, and you, when you visit the cult and all these nice people screwing around and doing mushrooms and drinking God knows what to make them hallucinate, they always have in the background, oh, what's that over there? Ah, you must never go there. Just like in every movie. You must never. So you know they're going to go there somewhere along the way, and of course they're going to go there and they're going to die. Obvious. Hit me on the head. <laughs> There is no original movies anymore, but the editing of when they were taking mushrooms was a nice edit, how they edited it into the movie and how it kind of feels to actually be on mushrooms. They had, yes, they had the psychedelic feel to it, so, the, subtly done. The oversaturated colors of the movie yeah, and the yeah. height of the Swedish summer look really nice. But that's because, you know, your age, you're into all this stuff these days. I don't remember what it's like playing with mushrooms or LSD since last week. I'm going I'm to plead the fifth on that one. I know nothing. Well, it's funny now that I mean, drugs are legal. Everything's legal in this world today with We're all these dispensers. And I'm sure even mushrooms, but people are playing with them all the time. I'm sure they have some legal. Can't you grow them and stuff and things? And I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Exactly. I, I, okay. I all right. All right. That's true. I'm still a vodka, vodka baby here. <laughs> a vodka tequila man. That's true. Like a 1950s cigarette ad. That's me. It's funny, you, you were mentioning a movie that scared you, and I'd forgotten it was scary. And it sounded so strange. It was Pinocchio. Pinocchio is a terrifying movie, especially because we're little kids and we see it. See it it? Yeah, when they all start getting turned into donkeys, or all the little kids start getting turned into donkeys, it becomes a dark, foul movie. And you don't really, because as a child, I'm not really comprehending what's happening in the movie. Mm -hmm. I just am understanding that the shift in music, the shift in tone, the shift in pace has gotten scarier and then they start to cut it almost like like a scary movie and it becomes no longer the cute Disney movie Pinocchio well, because the but it becomes the kids, some weird shit. Didn't the kids go to Pleasure Island which were they forbidden to go to and that was bad and it all became bad from that point on. I don't remember the story but well, I do remember that Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I mean you have this evil Melissifant queen which is pretty terrifying. My favorite concept that someone has said before is that you don't remember maybe my somebody said this that you don't people don't remember what you say to them what you do to them they just remember how they make you feel. And I remember when I watched that movie it did not feel good and ever since I have not watched it again due to not feeling good about that scene. I, I must tell you, I don't want to see Pinocchio again because I found it. I found it very scary. Now the question is, where does Pinocchio stand in remake, and in, in today's time? Yes, it was just it was just remade. In fact, interesting. You should mention Berlin. Berlin Film Festival just had a brand new version of Pinocchio. Real live people. I didn't see it, but uh, the reviews are pretty good. And I don't know how dark it gets, but it is humans. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to another episode of Nose to Nose Podcast. I know we've been on a bit of a hiatus due to the current pandemic that the world is facing, but nonetheless, we are back in action.